Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mumbrella Cast. More importantly, welcome to 2024. It is the first episode of the Mumbrella Cast. I am your host, the editor of Mumbrella, Neil Griffiths, and I'm joined, as always, and for the first time in 2024, Mumbrella publisher, Adam Lang. Good afternoon, Neil. I'm actually really happy to be back. Is that because you had a nice lengthy break? I had the conceit of three consecutive weeks <laughs> off. How was it? It was marvellous. <laughs> Just marvellous. Um, a great break, but, geez, haven't we walked back into a busy 2024 already? Yeah, look, I was hoping for a, a slow start to the year. Nope. Just ease into it, but that's not how it is. Um, we've actually, before we get into some the big stories of, of the week and the day, I've got a bunch of PSAs to announce because there's been a lot of changes here at Mumbrella over the last two weeks. So PSAs, what, public service announcements? Correct. Your so own style of, Get Neil? comfy. I'll, yep. um, I'll just be talking for the next 47 minutes without breathing. <laughs> um, this sounds like compelling <laughs> content, Neil. So the, the very first thing, and, and some readers may already know about this, is Mumbrella has brought back the comment section. At last. Now, Adam and I, of course, have only been at Mumbrella for a few months between us. What are you at? You always are good at counting it. I, you're always two weeks behind me. I think yeah. I'm, I'm four months in. Yes, you're four. So I'm I'm just on a week more than you. Okay, congratulations. And thank you. Um, but you're catching up. And, um, you know, comments to me are one of the great sort of ways you can get a sense of engagement, you know, from people on topics, what they want to say, what they feel. And sometimes they can be salacious, very spicy, um, often really interesting. And so look, I think it's great to have comments back and uh, celebrating them. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where a lot of people kind of said, why did you get rid of them in the first place? And there was some rhyme and reason behind that. But the discourse online has been has been really great and um, we're excited to bring them back. So if you want to comment on the stories, go ahead to mumbrella.com.au and comment away because now you can. Uh, also, importantly, we obviously have been very active on our social media in the last few months, uh, LinkedIn and Twitter primarily. You may notice now we are, again, very active, at least on the news side of things, on Instagram, Mumbrella underscore Oz, at Mumbrella underscore Oz. Uh, we'll be sharing a lot of the stories, including this podcast. So if you found this podcast through Instagram, congratulations. Yeah, we want to be Insta-famous. So please That's help what we us. said, yeah. Yeah. And look, we want, to, we want to branch out a little bit more. We want to do TikTok. We're working on how that's going to look and feel. Um, Adam's learning dance moves as we speak. Um, but that's very exciting. So check us out on Instagram. And another thing that we're introducing this year, and again, you may have already seen online, is we're going to be doing a lot more film, TV, and music coverage. Yeah. So what that looks like on a base level, you know, there'll be a lot of interviews with people in the film and music industry. We'll be doing box office results on a weekly basis. We're going to look at doing the ARIA charts mm. on a weekly basis. And as two old music heads, that's very exciting news, Adam. Oh, it is. And I've always found it such a, an important part of entertainment. Music uh, to me is very important, but I think it's it's a massive industry, whether you're looking at touring, whether you're looking at the use of music in advertising, in television, film, so on. So it's a really vital part of popular culture and we, we should cover it. And uh, the same with the business of cinema. It is massive business and it's also a very important form of advertising. So I'm, I'm really glad we're bringing this into our coverage. One of the big stories that broke out over the holiday break was a feature uh, deputy editor Nathan Jolly did with Val Morgan MD uh, Guy Burbridge, which was kind of all about the comeback of cinema. Obviously that kicked off with Barbie and Oppenheimer last Barbenheimer. year. Barbenheimer. There was the Super Mario's movie. Um, and this year has a lot of good stuff to be excited about. You know, Deadpool 3 is one. I think there's a Kung Fu Panda 4. So there is a lot 
um, to be excited about, particularly with Australian cinema. We've got, I believe, The Dry 2 is coming out in a few weeks. Of course, the Eric Banner film based mm. on the novel. Yeah, we're, we're very excited to bring this all back. Look, so, so often we see great work by Australians on the world stage and uh, we must celebrate that. You know, what we want to do at Mumbrella is help our industry to be the very best in the world. You know, everything under the umbrella of media and marketing. So whatever way we can do that, we want to. And there's so much to celebrate in those genres. And it's a very fun fact that Sarah Snook, who, of course, won mm. the Emmy, Golden Globe and Critics' Choice Awards for her work in Succession, all started here at Mumbrella. None <laughs> of that's true. All right, last on my PSA announces, and then we'll get into the episode, I promise, uh, is the return of the ComsCon newsletter. Mm. Um, again, regular readers and listeners of Mumbrella will know that around the ComsCon season, we release a fortnightly newsletter. It's back as of... Tuesday the 16th, so that was yesterday as we record this. So every second Tuesday, you're going to see a, a newsletter produced by one of our journalists, Lauren McNamara, who's going to give you all the updates of things happening in the PR world in the lead up to ComsCon. Yeah, and Lauren will be on the podcast, on the Mumbrella cast to talk about that. She's a terrific journalist and what a time to be doing this as we're talking about our next topic coming up with the Australia Day issue and what a communications topic that has been. Mm. If you haven't already, jump on mumbrella.com.au and subscribe to the newsletter right now to stay up to date with everything happening. All right, well, we said at the top of the episode, Adam, that we were hoping for not a wild start to the year, but that um, that didn't pan out the way we thought it would because it's been a pretty massive week in the industry the last week in particular, and it all centres around Australia Day. Yeah, brace for a start, right? Yeah. So last week, the Woolworths Group, uh, which includes Woolworths, obviously, and Big W, announced that they would not be selling Australia Day merchandise uh, this year. They attributed it to lacking sales, and what happened was quite the uproar. And very soon after, Coles announced that they actually would be selling Australia Day merchandise. Aldi, I believe, have boycotted it as well. And it's just caused such a divisive reaction. It feels reminiscent of the Optus crisis all over again last year. What are your thoughts, Adam? Well, it was also refrains of the voice referendum from last year, mm. right? It, it seems to be very topical and ongoing. And so what, what we saw was a company make an announcement about a position which got interpreted perhaps not for the reasons stated as a, a trade or commercial reasons, but an ethical one or a political statement. And then that got, of course, interpreted by others. And so it blew up. And I, I think like, it's quite reasonable for any company to do what it believes is right for its customers. It's also right if it wishes to, to make an announcement. But I just found it curious. Why would you announce it? If it's a trade thing, they take items on and off their shelves all the time for trade reasons and it does not provoke an announcement but this one did and it just has really blown up and it became political and so on so we are not going to really enter into the politics of this it, it isn't about that but it's about as a piece of communications was this well done and did the reaction that happened reflect what they wanted to happen um, I, I really don't know that it did Speaking just purely on a, I guess, a opinion base, do you think that the Woolworths Group expected or knew that this, they would get this reaction? Do you think it was a, a move to get some attention? I think they knew that it was a risk and that risk was acceptable to them. I don't know if they could anticipate exactly how it played out. But so, yeah, I think the risk was known to them, yeah. Okay. 
So in terms of known reactions, uh, we've brought in Nathan Jolly. And uh, Nathan is an experienced journalist across many genres, including music and been with Mumbrella since mid-last year. But if you look back, and I'm going to just a stepping stone to the story of how the Australia Day relates to Triple J. Uh, Nathan did a terrific story on Richard Kingsmill last year and it touched on in Richard's time with Triple J how the decision was made to move the Hottest 100 from an Australia Day benchmark to a different day, um, noting the connotations and how people feel about that day. And so that was done many years ago. And I think as a form of execution, you look back on it and certainly my memory of it was, yes, it raised a story, but not much. Mm. And it was pretty much accepted and moved on. So we have, of course, this time of year, I'm very excited, the Triple J Hottest 100 will be on again, but it won't be on Australia Day. And I've come to accept that as being completely normal. It's on a weekend around Australia Day. And it becomes a celebration of great music. People throw parties. But if you look at it as a form of communication back to when they first made that change and compare it to what, say, the outcome of the Woolworths announcement was, entirely different, entirely different. Nathan, how did you see it? Yeah, I totally agree. Like, keep in mind, this was seven years ago. So it was in 2017 when they finally decided. And it had been a debate for the years leading up to that. But that did seem like a very big changing of the guards in terms of like the younger people had spoken, the national broadcaster had listened, they changed the date, the world didn't cave in and, you know, people still vote, people still listen, people still celebrate. And that debate around it seems to have gone away, like from Triple J's point of view, like you don't hear people talking about that in the Hottest 100. You hear people talking about Billie Eilish and people seem more concerned about betting around the Hottest 100. So they seem to have squashed it like seven years ago. It, it has also become, I think, one of the most highly entered polls in the world. Mm. Yeah. 2.4 million votes it got last year, which makes it probably the biggest display of democracy in the world. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thinking about it, like that's, that surprised me you said seven years because it didn't feel that long ago. But I was working in music media at the time and I remember they announced it. And yeah, there was a little bit of backlash, but it was kind of over by week's end. Yeah, Peter Dutton didn't enter in as far as I remember. <laughs> there was, but there was no outcry, whereas the, the Woolworths Australia Day debate has reached the political rooms, which seems excessive. Yeah, I wonder if it's a knock-on from the voice referendum. Like, does people just feel now that they can just say this kind of stuff and say, like, but what about the European settlers? <laughs> like, mm. it just seems like people are more divisive over this issue than they were seven years ago, and it's just a shame. You can read all about the coverage on mumbrella.com.au and there is also an opinion piece written by Karen Dunnicliffe, who's a communications director at Salter Baxter Australia, and she talked about what brands can learn from the Woolworths Australia Day debacle. So check it out on mumbrella.com.au. Quickly pivoting to another brand's crisis that's happened, as we record this, all of a few hours ago. Nath, you covered the story this morning. Some major Australian companies have been the victim of a coordinated cyber attack. Yeah, so it's like what they call credential stuffing, where basically they take previously leaked information, so credit card information, name, first name, whatever information they can get, and then they basically try jamming it into other systems. So they might go on to, I won't say a, let's say Woolworths, Woolworths weren't involved, but they'll go on a Woolworths website, try to log in using these credentials and try their luck. 
So like to, to dumb it down, because I actually reported on the Iconic, the online clothes retailer. They were they had a, a bunch of customers affected by credential stuffing. Is it their account details are exposed through a separate data breach? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So it'll be like the Optus breach, for example. There were so many, like surely some of those have crossed over. We don't have proof of that, but it seems likely that the Medibank, Optus, those kind of breaches is where the bulk of this information comes from. Mm. And so they literally just try their luck. They'll just go to Dan Murphy's was one that was hit. And then if it works, they go, brilliant, let's order a 300 bottle of champagne. They get it delivered to somewhere. And yeah, that's how it's done. It's it's very unsophisticated. Yeah. So some of the businesses that have been impacted include Event Cinemas, Dan Murphy's. Now, Binge was reported to be one of the companies. However, they've since reached out to us and uh, made it clear that they actually weren't one of the, the companies, no credit card details have been compromised, was the quote they gave us. Again, you can read the story on umbrella.com.au. But I mentioned there before the Iconic had this happen last week. Adam, from a, a cyber attack crisis comms PR madness, I don't even know what to call it. Mm. There's a bunch of large companies in Australia who in the last, what, two weeks alone are now at the centre of this credential stuffing. It's become sadly normalised, hasn't it? We barely raise an eyebrow when it happens, but you can imagine what's going on behind the scenes. There is absolute attention and focus on these things in any of the companies. And from a customer point of view, I don't know how everyone feels about this, but from my point of view, it's like, oh, not again. You know, (laughs) my data's probably out there in some form. I know that I've got to be incredibly vigilant. The texts I get every day seem to be increasing in number about something that needs more details from me to respond. The emails are more and more pervasive. It feels like the the blocking and the cybersecurity can barely keep up with how fast the criminals are working. Just as an aside, you know that a lot of this uh, technology and intent has come out of Ukraine and Russia in the past. Now, they are very distracted at the moment, right? So what happens if and when hopefully that warring stops? You know, So I don't think we can ever see that this is going to diminish. We have to be ever vigilant and ever more so. Unless we can think of a way to have tokens that represent your bank account, like mm-hmm. some kind of paper money type thing that people <laughs> use for transactions. Unless we can think of something like that, then we're stuck with this credit card The Royal card thing. Australian Mint is going to have its resurgence. Yeah, well, they can start printing up those Don Bradman cricket coins to get people back into <laughs> cash Warning. again. Yeah. The fact that uh, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, he's already um, addressed the media this morning about it, it makes it a bit more alarming when these authority figures step out immediately and yeah. talk about it. What Did you know what Albo said this morning? He called it a scourge and he was basically saying that these things, like they hit vulnerable Australians. It's not just, it's not this blanket. Like they don't hit the corporations. They hit the people that use the corporations. Mm. That's not a direct Albo quote, by the way, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's a remix. It's interesting when I'm, I think about the iconic last week when the breach happened, similar to Optus, after the fact they released an updated statement saying, here's what happened, it wasn't our fault. Now, whether whose fault it is, I guess, is irrelevant for the point I'm trying to make here. But Adam, do you think it's appropriate for brands to come out and say, whether they did or did not you know, take responsibility for this, do they need to say, this isn't our fault? Or should they just say, hey, it happened, we're sorry, we're fixing it? I think it's the latter, Neil. I think to acknowledge it as swiftly as you can is appropriate to tell as much information as you can um, is is really appropriate. So, you know, for, for example, if I was a customer of any one of those brands, which I am, I would want to know that they are aware of it, 
and that they're doing something about it as quickly as, as possible. So, yeah, I'd get a lot of assurance from a brand that took that approach. I would question anyone who said it's not our fault if I was dealing with that brand as a customer. I'd raise an eyebrow at that and going, what, what's, that doesn't matter. The fact is it's out there. What are you doing to help? Mm. Is that, that's the most critical thing I would want to know as a customer. Yeah. Well, Nate, thank you for coming on the show. Welcome back to the podcast for 2024. And on top of many PSAs that I've already given this episode, the Weekend Mumbo will be back this weekend if you are listening before Saturday morning which if you've listened to after Saturday, it'll be up. So go to the website. Yeah, or check your inbox. Check your inbox. Nate, thanks so much, man. We'll talk soon. My pleasure. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Mumbrella cast with myself, Neil Griffiths, and Adam Lang. Joining us now on the show, welcome back to the 2024 Mumbrella cast, Mumbrella journalist, Kalila Welsh. Hello. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Kalila, we decided to bring you on because uh, obviously one of the big events happening in Australia right now is, of course, the Australian Open. And I feel like you have led the coverage of the Australian Open in Australia more so than the sports journalist. Yeah, I said it. I'm going to hand the mic over to you because you've done quite a few interviews and quite a few features, which you can check out on mumbrella.com.au. What's been happening in AO land? Yeah, so lucky me uh, with Nath off, who normally heads up this kind of thing. I did get to um, get out and about a bit and chat to a few people about the AO. So um, one of the bigger pieces that we had out this week was about Nine's AO offering uh, with their many, many, many sponsors that, again, have signed up this year. And speaking as well to a couple of media buyers too, it's pretty clear that the Australian Open in terms of a broadcast product is really valued by advertisers. Obviously, it offers a lot, um, tennis being a fairly popular sport in Australia. A lot of it's to do with the timing, you know, this time of year, there's not much happening in terms of programming. People are kind of still a bit in holiday mode. Tennis is a summer sport. It's a little bit glamorous. It kind of brings a good vibe. So already it's kind of a little bit zeitgeisty, if you will. But then bring that along with the fact that it has also a bit more of a gender balance compared to some other sports. You've got as well um, overall declining TV viewership when it comes to like linear programming. So it really kind of brings together all of these really powerful factors, I think, for advertisers. And so, you know, year after year, it continues to bring advertisers back uh, and it really doesn't show a sign of that slowing down. Viewership also has remained steady. People are tuning in. You know, we obviously see peaks when we have Australian favourites in the competition, as we saw a couple of years ago with Ash Barty. Um, but yeah, it, it's looking like it's going to be another good year for Nine and the AO overall. Uh, and sponsors will be very happy um, as well. There's an extra day of competition this year, which has been a talking point previous years. There's been a little bit of delay with some of the games going over time, um, obviously airing in times that aren't, you know, I think it was one game a few years ago that wrapped up, I think, quarter to three in the morning. Even closer to four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's one of the things I saw in some of your articles. Uh, you spoke to a bunch of media buyers who kind of weighed in on why the Australian Open is so big. And the headline itself, uh, an opportunity to own the free-to-wear space. Adam, you and I were just talking off-air before that, in yesteryear, mm. it was kind of always established, that, you know, <laughs> nine did the cricket, seven did tennis, 
And that was kind of the competing battle. But now with all the streaming services and the KOs and the Foxtels and the Fox Sports, it's it's true, right? It, to to dominate the space in 2024, come on, I'm saying 2024, mm. that is a pretty impressive thing to do. Oh, strategically for an audience and, a, and an advertiser perspective, I think it's incredibly important. So speaking on my own behalf as a consumer, I love sport and I have cricket tests on all the time. They're just on in the background and I'm aware of them, whether I'm keeping on top in touch with the scores on my phone or watching the coverage or it's just around. Same with the tennis. And so one of the very easy decisions I make is if it's a test, just leave it on and i got pretty much three to five days of coverage. With the Australian Open, really easy. i got two weeks. You know, mm. <laughs> it's going to be almost a lock on that coverage. And with multi-channeling through digital, you can get so many different options now. It's not just whatever show they show me. I can watch different channels. I can stream different channels. The, the coverage is vast. And so the I think the television stations and the coverage, including all of the streamers, as you've mentioned, Neil, they've done an outstanding job. The production investment is immense. Mm. Now, alongside all of that, the options for advertisers are equally immense. They've got so many different things they can sponsor from on-ground activations, different sorts of coverage, special comments, pieces done by their own ambassadors. So you, you just see the the spread of both audience interest and commercial interest in this, and it's a rare time where you get two weeks, I can just pretty much lock and load to my favourite channels yeah. or my favourite way of consuming something and go, there's my habit, and it keeps coming back. So it, it earns a really strong share of audience, and therefore I think that's why strategically of such a great interest to advertisers as well. That's probably why, I mean, you mentioned, I mentioned before that, you know, you, the these channels own these sports and you know it's coming. When it's the summer season, you know that you're going to get the cricket mm. towards Christmas and then after Christmas, it's all about the tennis. Absolutely. And alongside that, you've got not just the Australian Open or tests, you've also got the big bash, you know, and so you've got a combination of free-to-air coverage and KO, you know, so you, you've got lots of different formats to be able to consume everything you want. And it is like a carnival of sport. M many of us, particularly with children, are on holidays. School holidays are on. Universities are on holidays. So our habits change. The weather's great. The days are long. You know, a day at the beach and watching some cricket, tennis, other sport. It's all synonymous with summer. Mm. And talking about the habits there, Kalila, in your conversations with media buyers and advertisers, was there anything that stuck out for them as to why it's such an important event and uh, such a good opportunity for brands? Yeah, I mean... I think the biggest thing really is the longevity of sport, you know, and the consistency of sport in pulling in an audience. Um, as I said before, when you look at overall um, viewership and, you know, fragmentation in the TV space, it's a trend that we're not seeing as much with sport. So obviously Australia is a sporting nation and throughout the year sport, you know, brings in the big advertisers, you've got the sponsorships, you've also obviously got um, all of those other advertising products across, you know, when you look at the Nine ecosystem, for example, you've got publishing, you know, you've got audio, you've got the broadcast as well. And I think it just makes it so much more valuable this time of year, one, because there's not much else going on besides sports, and two, because it's a platform to launch the rest of the year. So brands are lining up essentially to kind of um, make their mark at the start of 2024 and then hope that that's going to carry through throughout the year. And I know that um, with a lot of those sponsors, they also sponsor subsequent competitions as well. I think one of the um, 
elements that I've loved looking forward to in recent years has been the creativity of some of the campaigns. Now, just to call out one, not to show any favourites, I hope, but Uber and Uber One bringing out Andre Agassi and the Festival of Mullets and the different ads that they've had. There's so much fun to be had with it, mm. so much talkability as well. Yeah, I was, we're talking about the, you know, nines coverage and kicking off the year in a big way. I mean, the Olympics is a few months away and obviously Kalila, the sports guy Welsh, is going to have to be covering this extensively now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Olympics is very exciting. I think we're going to see a lot coming out um, from nine there, I believe. Um they'll have the announcement of some of those first sponsors uh, for their Olympics coverage coming out. I mean, I was told in the next few days, so that means sometime this week, maybe early next. And later this month, they have the Youth Olympics coming up and then that will follow through into the kind of road to Paris coverage, um, which I think will be, you know, again, across the entire nine ecosystem leading up to the summer Paris Olympics in July. Kalila in Paris. I don't know if we can make that happen. Sorry. Mm, Is it in the budget? Damn. We'll work on it. <laughs> Kalila, thank you so much for coming by and incredible work again on the Australian Open coverage. Again, you can check it out on mumbrella.com.au. We'll talk to you very soon, Kalila. Thank you. All right, before we head off, we have uh, other business to tend to, mm. specifically Adam's other business. This is a new segment on the show. <laughs> this is called, we got a jingle, Adam's other business. Bum, bum, bum. Adam, over to you. Thank you, Neil. So two important things, both very different. Firstly, we know that at the end of last year, SCA and ARN, the discussion around the merging. So from mid-October was when Australian Radio Network made an offer to acquire 100% of Southern Cross Media Group. ARN initially hoped to complete that deal by the end of last year. Now, that didn't happen. And on 19th of December, ARN made another announcement that they had been granted a further period of due diligence and that they have an objective of delivering a certain proposal to SCA shareholders in early 2024. So that is really ongoing. Now, we don't know what's happened over the Christmas New Year break. Perhaps some of them didn't have much of a break as they worked on this. <laughs> but I think we'll continue to watch this space closely and report any developments. Mm -hmm. The second one is is really not great news, but I think everyone is probably aware of this. So it's not going to shock anyone. And that's yesterday's Westpac Melbourne Institute Consumer Sentiment Index. So this is a measure of consumer confidence. And it fell 1.3% to 81. Now, in terms of the mark, 100 is basically the neutral point, right? So 81 means people are feeling below neutral, less than confident about how things are playing out. And that is really seen thanks to higher interest rates and higher living costs. The index is held below 100, that's the neutral mark, since February 2022. And that is the longest streak since the early 1990s recession. Wow. So we are now talking about in over 30 years, and this index has been going for longer than that time, the consumer sentiment index has not fallen below 100 like this for this long since then. Wow. So that is not a good sign. Now, I, this is not doom prophecy. I don't personally believe that we're heading for a recession, but things aren't exuberant. Think People aren't feeling confident, and that is made clear in this index. And that has all occurred despite the expectation that we are all hoping and expecting that interest rates won't rise further. So we're still, despite believing that interest rates aren't going to go up more and the cost of living is therefore going to be even further impacted, 
we are still not feeling confident about the future. I've heard a bunch of, or read a, a bunch of different reports, I should say, about when we can expect the interest rate to stabilise. Mm. What's your hot tip? I've I, heard September. Yeah, look, I think that it's stable now, right? Yeah. This is, you know, this is my personal opinion. I think it is stable now. It is, it is a watching brief. There is a real hope that it'll go no further higher. And there's a real hope that in the south end of this year, as in later this year, we may start to be able to see the capacity for interest rates to drop. Wow. That's great. I'm glad we finished that on a high note. Yeah, there is hope <laughs> in the future of interest rates costs coming down. And for any of us with debt, including me and many of us, <laughs> that means good news, right? Yeah, very good news. Adam, thank you so much for joining me on the very first episode of the Mumbrella Cast for 2024. Thank you, Neil. And thank you for listening to the episode. If you haven't already, follow, subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you're listening to it from. That's it from us and we'll see you next week.